Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Today's going to be an audio only entry because I'm still kind of recovering from coming back from my trip, catching up with work and didn't have time to get camera ready. But I'm excited about this podcast episode because today we're going to talk about kind of a random topic, but it's one that I get asked about a lot and it's nutrition for marathon training or really any type of competitive running. I sometimes get discovery calls for people who say that they've just signed up for a marathon or a half marathon, and they want to also work on losing weight with me or somebody else from our team while doing this. I actually was a competitive high school and college runner and know that nutrition for weight loss and nutrition for running is very different. So I have the conversation with these prospective clients that their goals may be counterintuitive. Nutrition is so interesting because you can make tweaks to calories and macros that can help you to be faster or make different tweaks like cutting calories that can help you to lose weight, but there isn't really like a one nutrition plan that can help you do both. Starla is a registered dietitian who we're talking to today. I met her on a trip with the North Carolina Sweet Potatoes. She is also a Texas dietitian. She has her own company called The Healthy Shine, where she coaches her clients to fuel their bodies for races. I asked Starla in this episode what to do if you want to lose weight and also train for a longer race, what happens if you're not fueling enough for training, and we go into some of the details of what nutrition for running looks like. If you're at all interested in starting running or entering a race, please listen to this episode because I feel like this is an area of nutrition that is so intricate and not often talked about. Fueling your body properly can make running so much easier and enjoyable for you. Also, if you're interested in working with Starla, you can get started on one of her free quizzes. She has one quiz to see if your hormones are aligned for running and another on what gels would be the best for your training. You can take the quizzes with the link from our show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Starla. How are you doing down in Houston? I'm doing well. I um, am definitely excited to be on your podcast and to catch up and chat a little bit more about running specifics with you because I think you're in Dallas now mm-hmm. and you were also a runner too, right? Yeah. In high school and college okay. and I just completely was burnt out. So I never do it again. <laughs> That's fair. Totally understandable. Yeah. And you ran in high school and college or no? Did you pick it up later? Yeah. So I ran in, co- in college and in high school okay. and then post-collegiately. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I like didn't even make it my senior year because I was like, I just want to like have fun and I'm tired of like having to work so hard all the time because running is so hard. That's what my teammates and I would always say. It's just hard. And I feel like it never gets easier, at least in my perspective. Oh, I would agree. It always yeah. is very challenging. Even like for somebody who's been running like most mm-hmm. of their life, I still run up against like hard weeks of training, mm-hmm. hard like hard days for workouts, like just in general, there's always a new challenge coming up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I know me and you met before and I've been following you and I get so many questions about mm-hmm. all things running. I think especially I get a lot of people who think mm-hmm. cardio equals weight loss. So I'm going to motivate myself by signing up for a race and then I'm going to lose weight. But then I always like kind of try to have the difficult conversation of like, all right, well, we got to assess your goals because the goals are a little bit different nutritionally. So I just wanted you to kind of mm-hmm. give it to us cut and dry um, to use mm-hmm. as a good episode for the future. So to dive right in, Can you answer Mm -hmm. the question, if somebody is trying to lose weight, can they should be training for a marathon and like which goal should really take priority for them, do you think? I think in terms of wanting to run a marathon to lose weight, there's so many other ways to go about losing weight. And that sounds like so backwards coming from somebody that is a dietitian and that works with runners for this specific thing. There Mm -hmm. are people who do see body composition changes and weight loss occur and do have healthier habits as a result of Mm -hmm. training for a marathon. But if that is strictly your goal, you don't necessarily have to run a marathon um, either. I think in terms of um, wanting to lose weight for a marathon specifically, I always try to encourage that within that 12-week training block leading up to your big race day, the primary focus should be on fueling for the race and really fueling for those really long efforts, fueling your daily run. So a lot of the emphasis should actually be no longer on weight loss anymore. Mm-hmm. It should be on getting you to the to the race and that starting line as healthy as possible and as injury-free as possible because you don't want to show up to race day injured, underfueled, not feeling well, and feeling like you can't complete the 26 miles because it, it is a very long 26 miles for a lot of people. It can go into the six hour depending on somebody's pace and ability and experience. So I always encourage if somebody is going to be prioritizing weight loss, that's going to, that's going to require a calorie deficit. And for that, I always encourage that it should be on a very down period where you are just doing some very low mileage preferably also increasing your strength training as well. So that way you can handle that calorie deficit in a way that's going to be a lot healthier to manage. Because when you go into that 12-week block before your marathon cycle, your calories will be increasing. And a lot of the other macronutrients you're going to need to support training too will also be increasing. So wow. hopefully that answers the question. Yes. No, great. I, I mean, I didn't vet you before. So I was like, I'm just going to hope Starla kind of thinks the same thing. Okay. <laughs> but I'm glad yeah. that I think you said that beautifully. Um, can you kind of speak to though, because I think it can be confusing for the normal person. Mm-hmm. Like, why is it that some runners, especially like really elite runners are really thin? Because I think that's why people might think like, oh, if I do this, I'll look like them. Like, is it just that they look like that? Do you know why? Um, I think it's a mixture of genetics, um, a lot of different factors as well. This person has probably also been training for the majority mm-hmm. of their lifespan too at a very high level. Um, so I always try to, you know, bring that up to people. Um, and even in, in my own journey, I've been training and, and running since I was a little kid. Um, and so, um, for me, you know, getting into a fitness that feels right in like for a a huge marathon block, it's going to look different. And it's also going to feel different as well. Um, I think too, people have different expectations of tolerance level for pain and fatigue. Um, and so for somebody who has been training for a really long time, their experience to know like what is normal fatigue and what is not normal is also different because of all the years that they put in. That's not to say that somebody 
you know, 20 years in is still, you know, battling a lot of fatigue and can't differentiate. But I think that just goes to show too, like, there's a lot of experience with working with other health professionals as well. They're going to have like a whole team of people helping them take care of their bodies at the same time. So the amount of time and effort that they put in very different from somebody who's able to log 20 miles a week with one long run. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it just comes down to like more of the long, like the long-term versus short-term time of doing it. Yeah. Um, I think too, just training cycles, very different too. Um, You're going to have like periods where you're going to do more anaerobic training. So a lot more, not high volumes or we're backing off the cardio and a lot of the miles and really putting in more shorter effort, track effort things, lower volume per week, and then a lot more strength training. So um, I think with experience, people can know like, when do I need to back off and start prioritizing this? And of course, getting a really good running coach is going to help somebody like understand the nuances of a training cycle like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to see if there was a difference because I actually don't really know um, it, between mm-hmm. fueling for different types of races or links, I guess is a better um, word. So going either from like the weekend social runner to a 5k to a half marathon to a full marathon, would somebody mm-hmm. eat the same for all of these or does it look different? It's going to look different. Um, So for each person, it might look different, like pre-run, during, and especially after, or like in the in-between phases. It could also look different depending on the stage of their training cycle they're in. Um, For like a 5K runner, um, depending on the pace that they're putting in, like I would say without a doubt, like for a 5K race, somebody should still be eating prior to exercise they may not need something during, but they should still be refueling afterward. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing for a 10K pre-run snack or pre-run meal. Um, maybe they don't need anything during um, and then refueling appropriately after. Half marathon, that's a different story. So the amount of time that's going to be out there for some folks could be over two hours. So when you go over 90 minutes, you do want to start fueling more often as well. Mm-hmm. And that's not even taking into account the intensity of the feeling because some people will run under 90 minutes for a half marathon. And with the intensity, you're still wanting to add in fuel there. So during run fuel will change and recovery nutrition also prioritized. And then marathons, a lot more fuel during as well. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So the main difference is like when you fuel during versus not needing to on the different lengths of races. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And when I say fueling, I'm predominantly talking about like carbohydrate intake um, during. So that could be through like gels, gummies, blocks. Um, sometimes you can also carry carbohydrate in your hydration too. So that's also very important. Yeah. I would even say like even just t- thinking about hydration across the board. Um, some people might need hydration for even a 5k cause they might be running past 30 minutes of time. So you still want to be considering that as well. And it's all, again, going to be very dependent on the pace somebody's going. So like, even for some people they are like, I'm really slow. I don't need fuel. I would argue that somebody actually really does need fuel, um, depending on the pace that they're going, because they're going to be out there much longer, moving their bodies much longer as well. So you can't go like X amount of time uh, moving your body without any fuel. You'll crash and burn. Okay. Um, Why do you think, or do you know um, why some people 
might gain weight during training for a longer race. This was actually an audience question that we had. Um, she said, mm-hmm. weight gain during marathon training, it's very deterring. Mm-hmm. Do you ever experience this with your clients or do you know the answer to this? Yeah. So a couple of my clients will experience it for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might be experiencing it prior to us working together or during. And the reasons why are number one, you might already be under fueling and not eating enough to support even basic like living uh, uh, activities. So, um, so if somebody, let's say calculates their resting metabolic rate and they're consuming less and then adding on activity, uh, and now with the training and the fueling, you're probably now more than what you were, were you, were, what you were consuming. So it's always important to make sure that you're fueling regularly, even before, training begins. That's why I always recommend you want to make sure that you are working with somebody that really understands how much you need. Figuring that out is going to help you get to a place that you're going to be feeling enough to support everything and then are going to be comfortable enough to start increasing your needs within that 12-week block, for example. Um, So that's why some people gain weight. Some people also may have needed to gain weight as well. Maybe they were already very underweight and it was not healthy for them. The other thing too that might be happening is they might be experiencing a lot of high cortisol levels as well. Um, And that means like maybe you are training too much. You need to take a break. Maybe you're doing too much hit, too much cardio for your body as well. That also might be occurring. Um, Other people, what might be going on too is they might be restricting too much the first half of the day and then they overeat later on in the day too. So that might be happening. And that happens a lot with intermittent fasting folks a lot of the time. So I see it quite often because most people will wake up in the morning, exercise, not eat. And then by noon, they're ravenous. And then they end up binge eating later on in the day. So that can occur. And I'm sure you see that too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I get scared for my clients, but I can't imagine your clients and them also running like that really stresses me out thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of hungry folks. I mean, when that happens too, it's like, you know, a very normal process that happens because you do need fuel. So of course your body's going to probe you to overeat or to choose specific foods because there hasn't been any fuel coming in. So can you blame your body for trying to help you survive? the end of the day, and then the training the next day, it's going to do what it needs to do to survive the thing that you're putting it through. And that's marathon training or whatever training you're doing. So um, uh, the other thing that could also be occurring too, is they're not fueling their runs appropriately either. And again, that's kind of like um, under fueling or restricting and then overeating later. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Is it like a bad thing, or I guess a thing that you try to fix if somebody gains weight or is in the, when you're trying to fuel for a race, does that just not matter? And you should just focus on how fast you're going. Um, so what we do is we try to change the habits first. Like let's see what's actually happening. Is it the restriction that's occurring in the day or the underfueling? Mm-hmm. Um, was it because that person is overtraining and they need to back down? So we'll look at what the actual reason is and work together to figure that out. Other things that have happened with clients is um, we do start to shift around the plate to a little bit more as mm-hmm. well. And a lot of times I would say like if somebody is experiencing a lot of hunger, um, they have a big appetite during training or like a larger appetite than normal. A lot of times it might be like reprioritizing and emphasizing protein and vegetables again. And it might just be more carb focused than necessary. 
Okay. Yeah. Cause one time I was training for a marathon at the beginning of COVID. And I think that's why also like I have resentment towards running because I did the whole training, got up to like 22 miles and then they canceled the race. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm never doing that again, but yeah. I was gaining weight as I was doing it, but I was getting faster. So I was like, I mean, I think I'm eating fine. I'm getting faster and maybe the weight part doesn't really matter. And I, so I didn't know if like even our trains of thought would be different if you're trying to train for a race and you're gaining weight, like, is it okay? Yeah, I think too with like weight gain there, a lot of people do experiencing like improvement in training and in speed. Some people might like feel the different or like might argue that it doesn't. Um, whenever I work with a client that's actually like eating a complete plate and food and they do experience weight gain, um, they actually do feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like encourage like you just don't want to be looking at the scale, especially when you are marathon training. You want to be thinking of like. Mm-hmm non-scale things that are moving in the right direction. Like, are you waking up with less brain fog? Do you feel more energized on a run? Do you sleep a lot better at nighttime? Are you less sore? Can you recover faster? How do your long runs feel? Like it's a little bit more feeling based. And I think people anticipate and less numbers focus all the time to know if you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. What if somebody doesn't care about performance and they just want to get active? Like I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had this conversation with clients sometimes trying to tell them, okay, you know, in order to get faster, you're going to have to eat more. So that's why these like being in a calorie deficit isn't going to work as much. And then sometimes they'll say, well, I don't care about getting, you know, the best, the best time ever. I just want to be able to run this whole race. What would you say to somebody kind of like that? You would still need to fuel um, because in order to finish the race, you need to be in a positive, healthy mindset to in order to suffer and endure. And I hate saying that, but one of my friends put it in that way. You need to be in a healthy mindset. And sometimes the best way to be in a healthy mindset is to actually fuel your body and your brain needs fuel. So mm-hmm. if you're running a race and you're already completely exhausted physically, your brain is also going to start to go into a very dark place um, in the race too. Oh. So it does not matter if you're wanting to just finish it. You need fuel to actually like be able to talk to yourself to be able to overcome that challenge. Gotcha. Okay. And this kind of question, this question kind of goes along with that. Like what if somebody just pays no attention to nutrition when training? Can you kind of walk us through what that would look like? What would be the consequences? Um, The consequences of that might be like, you might experience a waking that you don't desire. That mm-hmm. might be one of them. You may not feel very energized at all on the weekends to hang out with your kids, your friends, your spouse, your partner. Um, you also might get injured as well. That mm-hmm. can actually occurs quite a bit. You could lose your period as well. Period mm-hmm. is a very good, healthy thing to receive every every single month when you are training at a high level. Doesn't matter what doctors have said to you in the past. I would argue, and I think a lot of dietitians will argue that a period every single month, one of the best ways to know if your body is healthy. I think too, what can also happen there is um, you might see starting to see some like hair loss. Maybe you like wake up with brain fog, you feel awful, anemia occurs, like a lot of different things can occur if you do not pay attention to nutrition. Now, do you need to micromanage it? Probably not. But you want to, you know, make sure that you are feeling appropriately for the activity. Doctors will say that it's like, okay, to not have a period all the time. I've never heard that. That's crazy. I would say the amount of athletes that I've helped have said that they're like, oh, that's normal for you to lose your period. It is a common thing, but it is not normal. Um, It happens a lot to very young athletes, athletes that, you know, 
don't know very much about menstrual cycles or like are very hesitant, unsure about how to ask about them. And it is a very common thing that occurs with underfueling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not normal. You should be getting a period every single month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what about the macros? So this is something too that I I don't really touch on too much. I always tell people I mean, we want to focus on protein when you're trying to lose weight, but a lot of the other macros more so come into play when you're trying to be a really good performance mm-hmm. athlete. Can you talk us through what the purpose the different macros have when you're trying to train for a race? Carbohydrates are going to provide more energy. Um, you want to, you know, make sure that you do have ener- uh, your carb stores up, especially before exercises. Also for for blood sugar purposes, you want to mm-hmm. make sure that you have enough carbohydrate to give a blood sugar into your blood because it's going to use that for activity first. You don't want to have to go into your muscle stores for that. That's not good. We want to avoid that as much as possible in a race that might occur, but I would say majority of the time in your training, you want to be fueling with, with carbohydrates and that's the main energy source. Protein is going to help with, uh, with satiety and fullness. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of times if somebody might be overeating, right. Um, and they don't have enough protein, uh, they need to go, they're going to end up eating more carbs or fats. Mm-hmm. So protein is very important for also recovery purposes. So satiety, fullness, and to helping to rebuild muscle and tissue that might have been broken down from activity. And then fats are also going to be helpful for hormonal function, our, our fat soluble vitamins to also be absorbed as well. Vitamin D is a very important vitamin for runners, especially to help with bone injury prevention. Um, and then you're also going to get a lot of nice omega threes and omega sixes if you are eating healthy fats regularly too. And that's going to help with joint lubrication, memory, brain, all of that too, which you do need for running as well. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then what about as you start to run more? So I'm trying to think through people that like, maybe they start running, they do a 5k and they're like, I like this, I'll do a 10k. And then they do a half. When do those macros or any of the fuel change as you increase? You're going to see some of it change right away. And even the pre-run snack, somebody might not like depending on the length of time they're going to be running. So if somebody's running 30 minutes, they might not need a snack necessarily, but once you start to go over into that 45, 60 minute time frame, even if it's in the morning, there are they are going to need to start to have some carbohydrate early on in the morning before heading out. Um, so I would say even in the pre-run snack realm of things, you're going to start to see that change um, in the length of time that somebody's going to be running. You're going to also need to start adding in carbohydrate too. And then on a daily basis, um, I do recommend because people usually ask to like, do I need to eat more on like a hard effort day? So if my running's mm-hmm. longer, do I need to eat more like throughout the day? Um, and I always recommend you kind of just want to look at your weekly average of your miles mm-hmm. and go from there. So usually like training cycles are going to work like too high volume or like, let's say, for example, somebody's going to run a 40 and a 45 mile week, and then they come down to 30. That's normal. Um, That's like a pretty healthy um, rhythm of a training cycle. So that means that somebody might've had two peak weeks and they go down to baseline. So there are two peak weeks. You're probably going to need to eat like 50% carb more Mm -hmm. on your plate, 25% protein, 25% vegetables, and then it comes back down. And then of course, 
you want to just pay attention to your appetite because you are in, in a training block. So that could also mean like you might be less hungry on a peak week because of all the stress and the cortisol. Mm-hmm. And then you might be more hungry on a rest week. So there is some gray area that I think people need to pay attention to and just work with. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like uh, in your realm, I mean, carbs are obviously super important. They're important for all of us. Mm-hmm. But um, do you ever come up against like, what What do you have to do with people who don't like carbs? Because I get them, but it's not as bad for me. But I can imagine for you, if somebody is like so afraid to eat carbs, like how are they going to move on? I think a lot of the time it's just meeting people where they're at at first. Mm-hmm. And I just make some subtle upgrades. I'm not like, you know, we need to like go full throttle into carbs. I kind of feel it out, start adding in things one by one. And I think when people start to notice the difference in how they feel, they start to open up a little mm-hmm. bit more to other types of carbohydrates too. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might be listening and think like, I'm never going to be like that. But I think like when you go through a whole training cycle and it doesn't go the way that it's planned or like you're constantly injured, you don't feel good. You want to start fixing something then like what you're doing is maybe not helpful. So I think whenever I get clients, um, they're usually ready for a lot of those changes. So I just work with each person as like, as a case by case basis in that way. Um, I think too, when it comes to carbohydrates, there's like a lot of taboo from like the low carb era. Yeah. And then a lot of like fear around fat. But I think now we're seeing a lot of women, especially, understand that carbohydrates carry a lot of micronutrients that are extremely important for hormones and metabolism together. And you can't get to a good performance or to finish off a marathon if you're depleted in both areas, or you have a low metabolism, like it's going to be a very challenging experience. And I always like to always encourage you, like anybody can run a marathon, um, but you want to do it in like the happiest, healthiest, like strongest version of yourself, because I've done them so many times. And I think that they're one of the best experiences to give yourself. And if you're showing up at the starting line, half empty, you're not giving yourself a full experience. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel like it's so crazy how, I mean, I feel the immediate effects of carbs. I remember when I was mm-hmm. trying to train and I really wasn't changing nutrition. I was like, okay, let's like try. I'm a dietitian. I'm going to figure this mm-hmm. out. And I feel like I could feel the effects right away. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I can keep running forever. Like it's mm-hmm. so crazy. And carbs are so fun. Do you have like a favorite couple of carbs that you like to recommend or favorite that you mm-hmm. like? I would say like this blog, cause I'm actually coming down into taper like after this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like I've just gone through my own training block right now. Uh, some of the carbs that I've been leaning towards in this cycle, because it has gotten very hot in Texas now, mm-hmm. um, I have actually been eating um, quite a bit of fruit, a lot mm-hmm. of potato, and I think also a lot of rice. Um, I started to incorporate a little bit more like noodles, like vermicelli noodles too, mm-hmm. just for ease. So I've liked that a lot. But yeah, I would say like, um, right now, things that are my jam are fruit, potatoes, rice, and noodles. What are some of the biggest mistakes that first-time racers make with nutrition? Um, I would say breakfast is one of the biggest mistakes that first-time marathoners make or first-time runners make. You want to still be consuming something afterward um, to make sure that you are still recovering and giving yourself that recovery nutrition. Yeah, so having breakfast... I would say to not hydrating enough. So hydration is going to help with reducing GI issues. Um, It's also going to help you feel a lot better in your day too and adapt to the heat faster. 
And then the third thing I would say here is, yeah, I would say like not consuming enough protein throughout their day with their meals. So definitely adding in some more protein there. Moving on to some audience questions. So um, we have a couple. So for first time runner, what type of race is a good start? 5K, a half, how would somebody decide what to start out with? Yeah. So that's going to be dependent on your goal. Like what are you aiming to do overall? Do you want to just jump into a half? Go for it. If you want to do a 10K, 5K, I would say either one is a good segue into, you know, starting to, to race and get comfortable with it. Um, I don't think everybody needs to do like super long stuff, like a marathon all the time. Like that's not healthy either. And that might not be within somebody's bandwidth, either time-wise or like lifestyle-wise. So choose something that is going to fit your lifestyle that's going to be easy for you to execute and something that you look forward to doing too. So somebody who's new can, it's safe for them to go ahead and like start with a 10K or a half marathon? I would say most people can do 10K half marathon like pretty easily. I think with half marathons, like, because I feel like with 5K, 10K, like you could get away with, you know, two to three days of running and get there and do a 10K um, half marathon, like, you know, be open to more time commitment and adjusting things and saying no and having more boundaries there. The marathon training, like that's going to require a lot more time. Um, You're going to have to set aside a lot of, you know, other personal family things maybe to do some of the training too. So that's why I always say like, consider the amount of time you have, what season of life you're in and your lifestyle that you want to have during that training block. Cause those are, I think new runners, like they totally look over. And I think unfortunately social media shows it that like anybody can do it. And like, yes, anybody can do it, but it does take a lot of time commitment. Yeah. The next question, how do I manage my hunger when running so much? So what would you say to somebody who's feeling really hungry when they start running? probably definitely needing to increase carb and protein. And you can increase carb by maybe adding in some more fruit, um, adding in like a slice of bread, maybe adding in an extra half portion of of your rice or potato, whatever it is that you're eating. Um, And yeah, definitely probably needing to increase your, your protein too. Yeah. I feel like I hear you saying for both of those questions that it is, it does take work to train for these races, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go and like sign up for the half and then show up and run it in one day, right? It sounds like you're saying you kind of do have to take it seriously. It's like a job. You have to make sure you have the time to eat more time to train. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. And I think like, I'm glad people have the goals to run. Like, I love that. Yeah. And I love actually working with new first time marathoners. Like they're my favorite people to work with actually, because I've been a runner forever. So whenever I work with somebody new, like they give me new life again, I'm like, Oh, like they have all these questions that like I've taken for granted. And like, I have forgotten about like wondering about to myself. Um, and so I love working with newer marathoners or like new half marathoners. Um, there's their, their eyes are so their eyes are wide open and big, you know, but I do think like for people to execute it, like you do need to have some time commitment, some boundaries. And like the clients who do it the first time, it's like they are able to adjust their training and like still complete it. And like um, they have a really good coach too, helping them along the way. And like they've taken months to really build up to it in a really healthy way. So I think like you can't just rush into a marathon like in two months. Like it doesn't work like that. For a lot of new, new first time people, a marathon might take six months of like 
really doing the training like all the way through to do it in a healthy way. Yeah. This next question I feel like is basically encompassing everything you probably tell everybody, but what to eat before, during, and after a long run. So maybe just like a quick snippet of what your longer spiel is for all these things. Yeah. So before a long run, you probably want to consume anywhere from like 30 to 50 grams of carb. So that could be like a bagel with peanut butter, Belvita crackers, and a cup of juice. That could also be um, graham crackers with a cup of juice, like something that's going to be predominantly carbohydrate because you are going to go and do exercise um, within like 30 minutes or an hour after consuming this thing. So um, you want to make sure that you fill up your glycogen stores or your muscle. So that way it, it has the fuel it needs. So predominantly carb. And then during your run, you do want to be um, consuming at least a gel um, every 30 minutes. So I always recommend that. And that's going to be about um, 50 grams of carb per hour that you're aiming for. So you can get carbs with your gels and then always make sure that you are consuming the correct portion of gummies as well every 30 minutes or work out a way to space it out per hour too. And I think that those are like the two things I see marathoners forget or they go off of like five mile, like every five miles, they take a gel or a gummy and they might, they might be 10 minute pace. So that's 50 minutes. And that's way too long to be going without fuel. If you're doing a long, a long run that day, I always recommend every 30 minutes, even if it's a three mile mark, you should probably start feeling there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's for, and can you tell us what a long run is again? Like, is it, how long does that Mm -hmm. mean when you need to start fueling in the middle of running? That's going to be dependent on like where they're at. So for some people that might be 75 minutes, that might be um, 90 minutes, that might be two hours. Um, I always recommend like past like an hour, past 75 minutes, like those are now going into your long runs. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And then what about after the run? After the run, you want to make sure you have a combination of carbs and protein. So you want to have like a two to one ratio. Sometimes for some people, it's a three to one ratio too um, of carbs to protein. So like, let's say you're using a core power protein shake, that's going to have 25 grams of protein. So you want to combine that with 50 grams of carb. Um, So I always recommend that. One of the challenges that I keep mentioning is like lack of appetite And that's why I always recommend doing a liquid option first and then combining it with a meal option shortly after once your appetite returns. Okay. Well, this is all such good information. What is one actionable tip someone can take away from this episode? Definitely eat breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) If you're not doing that now and you're training, I would say find some options that are more liquid, easy, more grab and go things like to me, there's no excuse to, to skip breakfast, even if your goals are weight loss, like breakfast, so important for women in general, even if you're training for a marathon or not, extremely important. Yeah. Tell us again what your definition of breakfast is. It's not just coffee, right? What is it? <laughs> it is not coffee. No, <laughs> coffee is a stimulant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, my definition of breakfast would be, of course, something that has protein, carbs, fat, fiber. Yeah. Kind of checking those off. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like vegetables at breakfast necessarily. If you do great, but something that has fiber in it, preferably. Yeah. Where can people find you or work with you? If you've inspired somebody to start running and now they have a bunch of questions about nutrition, where can they connect with you at? 
Yeah, but you can find me at Starla underscore shines. That's like the main platform that I use to connect with all of my runner community on Instagram. And then people can also find me on Strava as well. Hmm. So I'm on Strava pretty often. Um, I feel like that's my second Instagram sometimes because I'm always updating my runs and just brain dumping fun stuff. So um, yeah, people can also find me there if they want to follow along. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Starla. I definitely learned a lot. I feel like we could have gone way more in depth. I tried to give just a nice brief overview for everything, (laughs) but thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.